Well, tonight we're going to talk about something that we are all professionals at, um, and that's sin. Thankfully, we're not talking about our sin, <laughs> but the first sin is where we'll be tonight. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. By the way, it's because of what's taken place in these verses that we uh, are going to read tonight is why we've gotten so good at it. Uh, just became a part of our nature, became a part of, of who we are. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at that first sin that, that took place. Genesis chapter 3. We'll just read verses 1 through 7 tonight. <clears throat> it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. God, we do thank you for this uh, scriptures that we've read tonight. We thank you for uh, the lesson that we have to learn through the events that uh, took place here and uh, God, it's unfortunate that the human race uh, had to go through this, but thankfully, because of your grace, because of your mercy, uh, the fall that we'll read about tonight <clears throat> no longer applies to uh, the souls of those who have trusted you as Savior. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've given, for the salvation, and, uh, and God, for restoring us uh, back to what we were meant to be. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd help every one of us uh, here to... Just continue striving to be more like you. And uh, we thank you so much for just everything that you've done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at, uh, at mankind. We've studied the man's creation. We've studied his purpose. Uh, we've studied about the first marriage and family. We talked about that last week. Uh, talked about, you know, uh, the first home, how God prepared a garden. He actually planted a garden there for Adam talked about man's responsibility and, uh, you know, all those things, responsibility over the earth. Uh, we also talked about man as in the male and his responsibility to be a, a leader in his family, uh, to be a, a spiritual leader for uh, his wife and for his children as well. Uh, today we're going to look at another important subject about mankind. And keep in mind that as we study tonight, uh, we're still looking at the beginning of civilization. And uh, one of the one of the great events of the beginning of civilization, uh, like I said, unfortunately, uh, is the fall, uh, what we call the fall of man, uh, which means that God had created him in a, um, in a state of perfection, in a state of completeness and, and wholeness, um, but he fell from, from God's original purpose and design for him uh, through sin, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, this is a story that we're all familiar with. We're just talking about uh, the, the snake and, and uh, Eve and the Garden of Eden and, and all the things that happened there. And uh, in this lesson, we're focusedly, uh, primarily, excuse me, going to focus on the sin itself. 
and, and that's, we're just going to be looking at these uh, seven verses. When we come back next week, we'll look at some, some other things about the following verses on down through the rest of chapter 3. But tonight we're just going to focus on these verses here. Now the first thing I want us to look at tonight, first thing that we, uh, we notice about these verses is the serpent in verses 1 through 5. And we'll be reading all those verses as we go along through here. Uh, but this is just the account of how the serpent came to Eve and began to tempt her. Now the serpent is described here in verse 1 as being more subtle than any creature. We find that uh, there in, in chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And, uh, and so he begins talking to the woman. We'll talk about what he asked her a little bit later. Uh, the word subtle, subtle there, and I, I think I'm saying that uh, correctly, uh, but that word subtle means crafty, uh, it means skillfully wise or prudent. And uh, as I was looking at that word, it can uh, it could be used in a good way or uh, or a negative way. Um, you know, somebody can in a good way be skillfully wise, can be crafty in, in certain things in, in a good way. Um, but we know, of course, that this is talking about uh, something that is sneaky or that is evil, uh, and that's that's what it's talking about with this serpent here uh, that he was crafty. And, uh, of course, we know who this serpent is. Uh, of course, we know that uh, it is Satan. And, uh, but, you know, Satan is crafty. And, you know, he, he is sneaky about the way that he does those things, uh, the way that he tempts people and all those. Um, in the book of Ephesians, I believe it's in chapter 6, uh, we're told to put on the, the whole armor of God that we may be able to, um, to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And it goes on... But he talks about the methods of Satan, uh, the methods that Satan has, you know, to uh, to tempt us and to try to trick us into sinning, and, and that's what it's talking about here. Now, obviously, the snake, uh, you know, it talks about. It doesn't mention Satan at all. It doesn't mention the devil or call him by any name uh, here in these verses. It just simply says the serpent. But we know that it wasn't the serpent itself, the animal uh, that was doing this. Um, but still, I think there's some, some symbolic uh, thing going on here. Uh, snakes are usually uh, still used today to picture someone who is sneaky, who is evil, uh, who's double-tongued, who is deceiving, uh, you know, and, and like we said, crafty and all those other types of things. Uh, they're just kind of known. When we think about a snake, uh, if, if we call somebody, uh, say that somebody is a snake in the grass, I believe is the expression, what are we saying about that person? They're sneaky, they're lying in wait to attack or to deceive, uh, you know, and so they're still used today in that, same, um, in that same way. Now, as I wrote here, although it is accredited to the snake, uh, the things that are happening here, we know who was wearing this mask, uh, who was disguising himself as a serpent. Of course, uh, that is Satan. Over in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, uh, he talks about the serpent, uh, which is, or he talks about the devil, which is that, that serpent, um, and it's talking about, of course, Satan. So we know who that serpent is. Now here we find Satan, uh, disguised as a serpent, uh, slithered his way into Eve's mind. He began by asking a question that would cast doubt about God's command. Now let's look at the question that he says there in verse 3. He says, uh, Had God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now if we just put that you know, in kind of our language, uh, what he asked Eve, Eve is, did God say, you, shall, you will not eat or you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Is that what God said to you? And Eve, of course, uh, you know, she, she's thinking about 
what God said, and she said, uh, she said no. Um, she, she recalled his permission to eat of any tree except the one that was in the midst of the garden. And so what we find in verse two, verses 2 and 3 is that she knew what the rule was. She, she knew what she had been taught. Uh, she knew what was right or wrong, and she knew what the consequences were. Verses 2 and 3, it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And so think about what, what Satan's question to her was. Did God say you cannot eat of every tree in the garden? And Eve came back and she said, No, God said we can eat of the trees in the garden, that they are, they are available to us, except the one that is in the middle of the garden. And so he begins, uh, really what we find here is he begins casting doubt in her mind about what God's original commandment was, about what his word said. And uh, that was one of, his, uh, one of his methods of getting into Eve's mind. See, Satan also knew the Word of God, even better than she did. Uh, I don't know how Satan was aware of, of what God's commandment to the, the people were, uh, but somehow he also knew what God had said. He knew it uh, well enough that he was able to take the actual Word of God and twist it around uh, to, try to try to trick her with, with the commandment that God had given um, he knew that immediate physical death was not what God had warned them about. Now, when we look back at what Eve said, uh, she said, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. What are your thoughts on that? He never said you can't touch it. He never said you can't touch it, okay? He told Adam, uh, you know, as far as we saw in the Bible, he, he told Adam uh, not to eat of the, the tree, uh, you know, in the midst of the garden. And she kind of added a, an extra stipulation there and says, you don't eat of it and don't even touch it. Um, now, we've, you know, I've thought about this quite a bit, and I've heard other pastors talking about this, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think Eve was lying in any way. I don't think she was trying to come across in any way that was untruthful. I imagine that uh, God gave this commandment to Adam. You know, he, he taught it to Adam, who was the leader of the family, and Adam probably, you know, as, as we think about that, you know, Adam's teaching his wife, of course, and, and telling her, God said, listen, uh, you can eat of all the trees, but, but except the one that's in the middle of the garden, don't eat of it and, and don't even touch it, all right? And so I don't know if that's exactly what happened or not, but I can I could definitely see that, uh, you know, coming about. So anyway, anyway uh, the, Satan took this, uh, what, what Eve said her, uh, her punishment was going to be, uh, she said that God uh, would kill her or, or that, uh, that, that, that they would experience death if they even uh, touched it or, or tasted of that tree. Uh, Satan took that. He knew what, uh, what the consequence was, and he tried to, to twist it around on her. Uh, Satan knew that immediate physical death was not what God had warned them about. Uh, and I know that you know, maybe in their mind, if they ate of that tree, you know, they were going to die physically. The, you know, life was going to go from them. Uh, right then, uh, but Satan knew that that was not what was going to happen. He somehow knew that they weren't going to die uh, physically, but he knew that their punishment was going to be something that was much worse, uh, which would be spiritual and eternal separation from God. Now I want you to think about this: if um, if the punishment of their sin was just physical death, then would um, would there be any danger of them 
not going to heaven after they had done that. If the punishment was just physical death. Because, you know, if they had just if it was just physical death, if they had just dropped dead, you know, right whenever that happened, and that was the only consequence was just physical death. I mean, if you think about that, uh, you know, I don't know what all the, the rest of that would, would come out to, but, but what God's punishment was was not physical death itself. He, he said the day you eat th that fruit, you will surely die. But he was not talking about dying physically. Of course, we know he was talking about uh, dying spiritually as well, and Satan knew this. And so if Satan could get them to sin, knowing what the consequence was, if he could somehow trick them into sinning, then God's prized creation... Uh, you know, the apple of his eye, humanity, uh, would no longer have the relationship, that special relationship that no other creature has, uh, would be broken between uh, them and God. And so that's really what Satan was aiming for. He, he wasn't aiming to kill them physically. He was aiming to drive separation uh, between God and man and ultimately to, uh, to put man in the same destination that he was going as well. If you remember, uh, Jesus even talked about the fact that uh, the hell was created for the devil and, and his angels. So, I mean, Satan knew where he was going. Uh, he, he knew what his eternal destination was going to be. And so that's, that's the greatest attack that he could make upon uh, this new creature was to, uh, to drive them away from God spiritually and to cause that spiritual separation and, uh, and that spiritual punishment uh, between them and God. So we find that he twisted the, he twisted the truth... Um, to make it cast even more doubt in Eve's mind. Look down in verse 4. It says, And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Satan said, You're, you're not going to die. If you eat that fruit, you're not going to die. And of course, I, I believe he was trying to trick her into thinking that she wasn't going to die uh, physically. Now, uh, we find that the devil then cast doubt upon God's honesty and goodness there in verse, in verse 5. He says, For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This wise serpent caused them to question God's commandment. Uh, he caused them to, to question the consequences, and then he even questioned them to, uh, to, to he tempted them to question uh, God's love for them as well. Now, if we go back, uh, try to understand what I'm saying here. Uh, when I say that he, he first of all caused them to question uh, God's commandment. Uh, that's when he asked her, did, did God not say this? He, he uh, brought up that commandment that God had given. All right, so they went through all that. Then he caused her to, to question the consequence. What was the consequence of their sin? Death. And, uh, and when Eve said that, he came back and said, you, you will not die. You're, you're not going to die. And so that was causing her to question the, uh, the consequence and then the last thing that we read there in verse 5, as I said, uh, was in a way causing them to question his love for them. You see, he made it appear as though God was holding them back from some pleasure or power that would make their lives complete. He says, God knows that the day you eat of that fruit, listen, you're not going to die. God is, God's just trying to hold you back from something. He, he doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that the day that you eat that fruit, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now in Scripture, when we, when we talk about the fall of Satan himself, what do we know about the fall of Satan? How did that take place as, as far as we know from the Scriptures? 
Right. He, uh, in, in a way, tried to exalt himself to God's position. You know, tried to, uh, tried to exalt himself as being a God himself. All right? And so, in a way, he, he made an attack on the very throne of God. Now, that wasn't a very long battle at all. <laughs> and uh, Jesus said, I beheld Satan, you know, cast to the earth as a, as a bolt of lightning. You know, so uh, it, it, there was a lot of struggle that went on uh, with this, uh, this attack on God's throne. But nevertheless, that, it seems, is what he's trying to, uh, to cause Adam and Eve to do as well, is, uh, is to exalt themselves to a, to a place of God. He says, God knows the day you eat that fruit, he, he's just holding you back. He doesn't want you to, to know the mysteries of, uh, of what that fruit has for you. And, uh, and the day you eat of it, you will be as God's, knowing the difference between good and evil. And so he calls them to think that in some way that God was uh, not allowing them to have everything that they deserved or everything that, uh, that they were entitled to. And, uh, and that was his method of getting to them. Listen, uh, Satan uses the same tricks today. If you think about the way that we're tempted, think about the things that he throws out in front of us, he uses the same tricks today as he used back then, and they still work on us like they did back then as well. I want you to think about this. If we knew completely, if we knew God's commandments were perfect, that they were perfect in truth, that they were perfect in the sense that they were always right and that they would always work, if we truly feared God's wrath, and if we really believe that God had our best interest in mind at all times, then will we chase after things that are forbidden? But for a moment in time, when temptation comes, what it causes us to do is it causes us to question God's commandment. It causes us to question whether or not God will actually... Um, punish us if there are going to be consequences to doing wrong and it also causes us to question it sometimes causes us to question whether or not he really has our best interest in mind let's say that there's something some sinful forbidden pleasure uh, you know that we want to take part in whatever it may any sin is, is that's exactly what it is it's a forbidden uh, a forbidden pleasure or a forbidden uh, you know desire or something that, that we're not supposed to have any of those things whatever it may be when we when we think about that, uh, you know, and, and we decide to do it anyway. We, we say, well, God says not to do that. But if I, do, you know, all these other people are doing it and they seem to be happy or, or uh, it seems to bring some kind of fulfillment to their life or, or I feel like if, if I were able to do this or have the freedom to do this that, uh, that you know, there would, be, uh, there would be more to my life or it would make me happy or, you know, whatever our excuse is, then what we're doing is we're questioning what God has said and we're questioning you know, what he knows to be best for us. And in that moment, you know, we, in a way, are, are trying to make ourselves the, the gods of our own lives. And that's sin. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did here, and uh, that's what we fall into the same um, temptation of doing as well. See, that's what temptation does. It promises pleasure, it promises power, and it, and it promises uh, prosperity as well. Think about that. It promises us pleasure. When we're tempted to sin, why do we want to do whatever it is that, that we're wanting to do? Because we think it's going to make us happy, right? It's going to give us, it's going to give us pleasure or make us happy for at least that moment. Um, sometimes it, it uh, promises to give us power. Not, not always, but sometimes, uh, even if it's just an, a power over our own lives, a power over our own choices, 
If I do this, then I'm not waiting on somebody else to tell me what to do. I've got power over my own life. And so it promises us power. It promises us uh, prosperity as well as we talk. But, but the thing is, is that when it's all said and done, what we find is that it only delivers destruction, disappointment, and death. Those things that promise to make us happy if we do them, once they're done, do we feel happy about it? Are we feeling, are, are we feel like it gave us pleasure in life? Maybe for a moment. But what usually comes after that for a child of God? Regret. Guilt. Shame. All of those things. And so it's a lie. James chapter 1 and verse 15. I'll read that real quick. Uh, it says, it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And you think about when... when Lust, when it has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. That brings us to the next thing, the, the sin there in verse 6. So we read verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, what I want us to we're thinking about what James said there in chapter one about lust. You know, when when it uh, is conceived, it brings forth sin. Uh, what we find is that lust is the seed of sin. Lust is where uh, sin is, in a way, born. It's where it uh, begins to grow. Lust is the desire. This is a, def, a great definition of, of what lust is. Um, <clears throat> lust is the desire to have anything that is forbidden. And usually we'll say that lust is, is a desire uh, to have something, but that's not always true. There are some things that we can desire to have that are good. You know, some things that are good for us, some things that we desire uh, that will be in God's will. But lust is the desire to have anything that is forbidden by God. The, the Apostle John narrowed all sin into three categories. Over in 1 John chapter 2, if you want to turn there, 1 John chapter 2. In verse 16, John said, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now I want you to notice, he, he categorizes all sin and all lust into three different categories. What was the first one? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, right? The third one is what? The pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you think about it, any sin at all uh, either fits into one or, or sometimes even all three of those categories. I want somebody just to, just to name a sin, whatever it may be, just any sin right now. Drinking, okay? So what, what lust do you think drinking may fall under? Okay. So which one of these three categories do you think we could put it in? It could, yeah, it could fit in all three, right? Uh, it could be a lust of the eyes. You know, if, if somebody has, 
had a drink before or something like that, they see a drink, you know, they're going to want that. It could be a, a lust of the flesh uh, to give them, you know, maybe to drown out pain or to give them an escape in some way. Like, I think that's what you said was an escape, didn't you? And uh, the pride of life, you know, that it could even fall under that as well. Uh, if I drink this, then I don't know who, I don't really know what all, you know, what all goes through the mind. But uh, yes, that, that sin could fall into all three categories. Anybody else think of a sin at all? Adultery. Okay, what would that fall under? I think it would fall under all three. Fall under all three as well, right. What about stealing? Right. Lust of the eyes? That's usually where it starts, isn't it? Right, exactly. And that's what I just wanted you to see. You know, we can name any sin, and uh, we can see where it, it starts in either one or, or in all three of those uh, categories that are given. All right, we find the very same thing true about uh, Eve's temptation as well. We find, uh, first of all, that there was a lust of the eyes there in verse 6. It says, when the saw woman saw that the fruit was good for food, lust of the eyes, she saw it was good for fruit, or good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, actually that first one being the lust of the flesh, sorry, that was pleasant to the eyes, all right, the lust of the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. Which one would that be? Pride of life. You realize that Genesis and the book of First uh, John were written a couple of thousand years apart. You see how perfectly that fits together? John said, all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Here in, in Eve, in, in the first sin that ever took place, we find where she looked at the tree. She saw it was good for fruit, uh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that it was desirous to make one wise. Then we find that she went on, that, that lust conceived, it brought forth sin. She went on to commit the sin, and then we know that the end of that was death, just as, uh, as James 1 told us, uh, sin bringeth forth death. Listen, Eve was not the only guilty party in what took place here. Notice there at the end of, uh, of verse 6, it says, uh, when She took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat. Now where was Adam in all this? Must have been close by, right. Why didn't he stand up? Where was his voice in this matter? Wasn't he the one that was supposed to be responsible over his family? He sees his wife being tempted to, to draw away from God and we never once hear of him speaking up, but instead he listens too. She takes the fruit and eats. She says he gave it, she gave it to her husband who was with her. He ate as well. Adam was just as guilty uh, as Eve was in all this. Adam was the one responsible. Even though Eve was the first one to eat, Adam was held responsible for the sin that took place that day. At the moment that they ate that fruit, 
the spirit of both Adam and Eve were disconnected from God's and they died. And they were no longer companions with God, but instead were criminals against Him. Now think about that. Uh, after salvation, uh, I think it was Paul that talks about uh, our spirit beareth witness with his spirit that we are the children of God. There's a connection between uh, our spirit and, and the spirit of God, something that, uh, you know, that, that nothing can come between. Uh, but we find there that you know, they were created with that purpose. They were created with that spiritual connection with God. And no, they did not die physically at the time that they sinned, but they died spiritually, and that connection uh, was severed between uh, them and God. And just as God said, they died. Uh, they died that day. They died spiritually. They lost their status as saints and instead became sinners, thereby passing the curse of sin to all people. Does anybody know what Romans 5 verse 12 says? It says, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For as by one man sin entered into the world, who was that? Adam. And death by sin. So death was passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. So because of Adam and Eve's sin, right there, not only were they disconnected from God spiritually, but it caused the entire human race uh, to become condemned and, and to become uh, their relationship to be severed from God or, or uh, separated is the word I was trying to say there, uh, to be separated from God. Now it leads us to the last thing there in verse 7, and that is uh, the shame. It says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Listen, God's word was true. Everything God said was true. The moment they ate the fruit, they died, and their eyes were open to evil, just as, uh, just as the Word said. All of their visions of grandeur came crumbling down before them. Look, you remember, they, they thought this was going to be a, uh, the fruit looked good. They thought it would be a desirous to make one wise. Maybe uh, just for a split moment, they thought that it was going to make them whole or to make them complete or to make them something that they were held, being held back from being. But the moment they ate that, uh, all those, uh, those visions came, uh, as I said, crumbling down. It all just fell apart. At the moment of sin, man lost everything. And the only thing they were left with was their shame. There at the end of verse 7, uh, it says, of course, that they knew that they were naked, and uh, they began to, uh, to try to sew fig leaves together, find some way to cover uh, the shame of their nakedness. Now I want you to think about this. Their innocence before the fall allowed them to live without shame or discomfort. Uh, if we go back and to uh, chapter 2 and verse 25, what does it say about them there in that verse? It says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were innocent. There was no sin, there was no, no evil, no wickedness, nothing like that was going on at all. Uh, they lived in complete innocence and there was no reason for them to feel ashamed of the way that they were or, or what was going on. Uh, but, but the moment that they sinned, all of a sudden it says their eyes were open. They realized that they were uncovered and they, they tried to find some place where they could, uh, they could cover uh, themselves. Listen, shame is the only thing that sin has to offer. How often have we plunged into sinful actions 
hoping to find happiness and satisfaction. But the moment we go through with it, we're left with guilt and shame, as we talked about before. Then always comes that sudden realization that God's way was the only thing that could truly promise happiness and satisfaction in our lives. We find as we uh, think about all that, that took place here that all it took was one sin, one moment of weakness, and the entire human race was eternally separated from God. The book of Romans says that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. It says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says that the wages of sin is death. It speaks about the entire human race. Even after all our rebellion, we find that God still loves us and it has extended a way for our crimes to be cleared, and that is through forgiveness. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and all that's required from us is to, to receive uh, forgiveness is just simply to ask Him. Now, I wanted to point out this. The, the first prayer of forgiveness is when we ask God to forgive us for what we are. We're sinners, right? We all fell into sin. We all, death passed upon all men because we've all sinned. So that first time that we ask for forgiveness, that prayer of salvation, uh, we're asking God to forgive us for what we are. Not what we've done, but what we are. And after this, after we've asked for salvation, the only thing we ever have to need, uh, ask forgiveness for after that is for those things that we have done. And um, listen, we've been forgiven for what we are. We are sinners, and God's forgiveness of that if we turn to Him for salvation. Um, through the blood of Christ, we are forgiven for that. And, um, but we're still going to sin. You know, physically, we're, we're still going to commit sin. We're still going to do things. And so we still have to go to Him for forgiveness. It's still based upon the blood of Jesus, uh, but there on out, it's just for those things uh, that we have done. Are there any questions or comments or anything about our lesson tonight at all? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. May have. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know I think it's possible. You're talking about how she how she got the information. I would say that either she had you know maybe he had repeated that commandment at some time. You know, because we have to understand that every word that was ever said or, every, or everything that was ever done, it's not in here. And so sometime after that, you know, God may have repeated it to her or uh, he may have left it up to Adam to, uh, to tell her, oh, by the way, don't, don't eat off that tree. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I would imagine that, that, you know, some way like that is how she found the commandment. I was wondering if uh, God put Adam somewhere else It says he was with her. Yeah, but he, he had his mind somewhere not sure to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his mind was on, man, that fruit might be good to eat. <laughs> but, you know, I just, just wondered about that where he was at, what he was thinking. I think God put him in a different state of mind, uh -huh. but he'd go ahead and do it. He might have just been really hungry at the time. <laughs> Any other Comments, questions, anything? All right. Well, I appreciate it tonight. Um, good to see everybody.